This morning, Brother Don Presley is going to come and read our sermon text for us from Galatians chapter 5, uh, chapter 3, I'm sorry. Chapter 3, 5 through 9. Does God give you the Spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you heard? Consider Abraham. He believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. The scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who have faith are blessed among, along with Abraham, the man of faith. Thank you very much, brother. That's the text that we'll be considering together this morning. If you have a copy of God's Word, whether digital or in print, if you would turn there with me. We're going to spend a good bit of our time looking at the text itself and then trying to understand exactly what it's saying and some implications of it this morning as well. Uh, let me start by saying good morning. It's good to see you here. Uh, I do want to say if you're a guest with us and you say, I don't know exactly what children's church is, uh, or if you maybe have little ones and are wondering about other child care options, we always have that information uh, in our bulletin. Or you can ask one of our ushers or anybody around you and they'll help you uh, find out any of those things that you might need to know this morning. This morning, uh, I, I got a question for you. How many of you like... <clears throat> guaranteed things where you carry no risk. How many of you like those kind of things, right? Like we like guaranteed, right? I, this is surefire, no doubt, no risk to you type thing. Uh, so some of you have bought products like that before, right? This thing carries a money back guarantee. If you don't like it, you can bring it back. You'll be completely refunded, no risk to you. I read this week about a guy that... Uh, did that. He bought a subscription to a magazine. The magazine carried a, a one-year money-back guarantee. And so this is a letter that that man sent to the quality service department of that magazine. So, dear sir, when I subscribed to your magazine a year ago, you stated that if I was not satisfied at the end of the year, I could have my money back. Well, I would like to have it back. On second thought, to save you the trouble, you may just go ahead and apply it to my next year's subscription. Now, I, don't, I, I did read that this week. I don't imagine that's a true story, right? But, but this idea of things that are guaranteed and certain and sure are things that we like. Whether it's something that we're purchasing from the store or how much more so when we're talking about salvation... In our eternal home. How much more do we appreciate when we see certainty and guarantee of how we can know that we are forgiven of our sins. And that we are accepted by God. And that we will be with him forever. Well, if you're here this morning and you appreciate that type of thing, you're in luck. Because in today's text that Brother Don read for us. I believe one of the main things that Paul is doing is he's giving us two specific instances of guarantees of how we can know that through faith 
we have been forgiven of our sins and accepted by God. So I would like to do this. I would like to read the first couple of verses that we're going to consider. And then I'd like for us to take a moment to still our hearts and minds as we pray together. And then we'll consider this text. Galatians chapter 3, back in verse 5, which we really looked at last week, but it kind of introduces today's text. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. If y'all would join me, let's pray this morning. Father God, I'm thankful for the opportunity to stand here with your word before your people on this day. Lord, I'm thankful for the chance to consider your truth together. Lord, I'm thankful for the truth that we've already been able to sing today. Lord, singing both in worship to you and words that reassure our hearts. And Lord, I pray that we have felt that already today. Gratefulness towards you and reassurance towards us. Father, I pray that your word would continue to bring about these things for us. That we would continue to know with certainty who we are before you because of faith in Jesus Christ. But Lord, that 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 would also drive us to be thankful to you for what you have done, for making this available, for loving us even whenever we didn't deserve it. And Father, I pray this morning that as we seek to do that, that you would help the minds of those that are here to be clear from distractions, that you would help my words to be clear with your truth. And Father, that, that by the time we leave here, Lord, that we would know more about who you are and who we are in you, and it would lead us to live lives of worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So here, really, as we start kind of looking in, in verse 6, we're seeing that today Paul is going to talk to us about Abraham. He's talking uh, about some things that happened in Abraham's life, and he's using Abraham here as an example. So here are the two proofs that I believe that he gives us in this text, the guarantees that, that offer certainty that if you have faith in Jesus Christ, that your eternity is secure and that you are saved. The first proof that he offers is history. He, he is going to show us a historical account, and he's using history as a guarantee of our standing before Christ. And so for those of you that want to take notes, you can say the first proof is going to be from history, and the second one is going to be from Scripture. Now, if you are with us last week, we've already seen the guarantee that he offered of personal experience, right? He called the Galatians to think back on their conversion experience. He asked that question, when did you receive the Holy Spirit? Did you receive the Holy Spirit whenever you did some good works? Or did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Of course, the answer to that for everyone that has the Holy Spirit is when we believed, when we had faith. So we've already seen the proof of personal experience, and now he's offering with that the proof of an historical account and the proof of Scripture. So here in verse 6, he is giving this historical account from the life of Abraham. He writes it very short and concise, just as Abraham... And then he gives a quote, believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, 
You have to understand the, the context of the quote to really understand the verse well. This is, this is from Genesis chapter 15, and we're not going to turn back there. You can write that down. I would uh, encourage you to read that later if you haven't seen that text in a while. But in Genesis 15, God has, has called Abram. This is before he had the name changed to Abraham. So he's called Abram, and Abram's left his home, and he's gone to the promised land. He doesn't know exactly where he's going, he's just following God's lead. God says, I'll tell you when you get there. And, and God has made some great promises to him. And just before God makes the, the covenant with Abraham, that Abrahamic covenant that we talk about a good bit when we're looking in Old Testament passages, just before that, we see this, this reiteration of the promises that God had made to Abram. He, he, he reiterates to Abram that he was going to have a child. And, and God takes him outside and tells him to look up at the night sky at all of the stars, right? And you imagine back in the day, there are no street lights, there are no city lights. And, and so you're out in the desert and you see just innumerable number of stars in the sky. And God tells him, try and count these stars. And if you can count these stars, you know that that's how many your offspring will be one day. This many people are going to come from you. But for Abram that's hearing this, I said, that sounds great. But you're talking about an about 85-year-old man who has no children. He, he doesn't even have one offspring. So to think that in some way there are going to be innumerable offspring that come from him is probably a bit of a stretch in our imagination, because on top of that, this 85-year-old man had no offspring because his wife was barren. She was incapable of conceiving a child, at least to this point in time. So, so you've got a man who's 85, and he's never had a child. And now God's telling him, not only are you going to have one child, but your offspring are going to be so numerous that they're going to be like the, the dust of the earth, the sand of the seashore, the, the stars... Of the sky, And so I think, if we're being honest, at this point in time, looking at all the facts, it probably would have been pretty easy for Abram to have been pretty skeptical of this promise. Do you agree? I mean, just, just looking, without the idea of faith, just looking at the facts. My wife can't have kids. I'm 85 years old. I've never had a kid. And I'm going to have offspring like that. If not for Abram, I think it would have been at least tempting for me to have been skeptical or have had some doubt in this moment to this promise given him. But that's not what happened. Instead, we're told in Genesis 15 exactly what happened, and Paul quotes it here. Abram believed God. And, and there's a comma, and I want us to stop at that comma. Abram believed God. He believed the Lord. And I want you to stop and think about that for just a moment. How Amazing that is, right? This is not a, a man that has spent 85 years walking with the Lord, that has seen God's promises fulfilled over and over. My best estimation from studying the timeline is he's known God and heard from God for about 10 years. He's about 75 years old when God called him. So it's not, not that this is old man Abraham who's been walking for God, with God for decades and decades, and who's seen God's ability and His faithfulness over and over. No, this is, this is 
Abram, who's only known God for about 10 years and is still getting acquainted with him, who has a wife that can't have kids and who's never had a son being told, you're going to have so many offspring that you won't be able to count them, and he believes it. He trusts God when he hears this. And so when Abram believed, when he took God at his word, we're told what happens, right? This is our historical account. What happened when he believed God, when he had faith? It was counted to him as righteousness. This is the historical account. He's saying, look at Abram. Look at that man who believed God. And when he believed God, you know what happened? He received righteousness. He received the righteousness of Christ even before Christ had come. So, I don't mean to bring up any bad memories for anybody. Miss Dan, I got this a little bit out of order. If you would, pull up that slide with the, uh, the math equation. I know some of you say, well, we're doing math equations in church. This thing's really gotten out of hand. They call it Sunday school for a reason. So, when you see this equation... We're, we're going to solve this for X, okay? That's what we're trying to do here. So, can anybody, I know we've got some math teachers here, can anybody tell me, if we're solving this for X, what is X equal to? Two, right there. Lots of y'all are good at this. So, so, so in this equation, X is equal to, right? Because two plus two equals four. We know that. That's a fact. And so two plus X, X is equal to, or X can be counted as the number two, right? Even though we don't see the number two there, we understand that X and two in this equation are equal, right? We agree on that? So, so this is, why am I doing this? Because this is what I want you to see. That's the meaning of the word that's used in Genesis and quoted here when it says that, that Abraham, Abraham had faith and it was counted to him as righteousness. This idea of, of seeing something and knowing that it is credited as being something else. I see X, but I know that that X is actually a two. And this is telling us, the wording here is literally saying that, that when we see, when God saw that Abraham had faith, God didn't see an X, he saw two. He didn't see faith, he saw a man who now had righteousness. That X equals two and faith equals righteousness. If you want to put that in your notes for those note takers, you can. Faith is equal to. Faith is credited as. Faith is accounted for you as. If you have faith, then you can be certain that you also have the righteousness of Christ. How do we know that? Well, the first reason, the first guarantee that we see of that is this historical account and the life of Abraham. So point one this morning is history helps us see. History helps us to see this truth. History shows us. You look at Abraham, and when Abraham had faith, he had righteousness. And what Paul is doing is he's giving this to us not as a one-off event. He's giving this to us in the father of faith, in the life of Abraham. He's giving this as as an ongoing promise that when people have faith, 
they also know that they have the righteousness of Christ. These things are inseparable. Just like the X is the same thing as two. Somebody that has faith is the same thing as somebody that has righteousness. And you say, Brother Zach, how can I know? Right? Because we're, we're guaranteed people. How can I know that I have righteousness? If I could just see the Lamb's book of life and see my name written in there. If I could hear God speak out loud and say, Zach, your sins have been forgiven, then my mind would be at ease. If I just had some guarantee, if there was something to give me certainty, then I would feel better. And this is what Paul's telling you in Galatians 3, 6. Brothers and sisters, if you have faith in Jesus Christ, then you know for certain that you have the righteousness of Jesus Christ credited to your account. Because when God sees your faith, he counts that as righteousness. It's the teaching that we see here. We say, I want to guarantee. And he says, faith is your guarantee. Faith is the thing that gives you certainty. It worked in the life of Abraham, and it will work in your life as well. Now, before we get to the second guarantee, <clears throat> there's something that we see in verse 7 that I think is so beautiful, and I do not want to miss it to skip to the second guarantee. So look with me in verse 7. Paul says, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Now, Paul's talking with a lot of nuance to people that understand a lot of things that we don't as far as the discussion that he's having. But let me ask you this question. Have any of you ever had this happen to you before? You go somewhere, you're, you're at an event or something, and you meet somebody, and it's the first time you've ever met them. And most of the time, they're older than you. And, and so you meet this older person, and they, they look at you for a second, and, and then they say, oh, you must be so-and-so's boy. Or you must be so-and-so's daughter. Or you must be uh, Kilpatrick, your last name. Right? You ever had that happen to you before? Right? That happens. Why? Because they, they look at your mannerisms, or they hear your laugh, or they see your hair, or they see your eyes, or there's something about you. They see your temper, maybe. They hear your last name, and they put these things together. Why? Why can they do that? Because people have distinct identifying traits about them. Do they not? I mean, they, yeah, they do. Right? You can... We can do it here. I'm not going to start. I almost, I just stopped. I almost named a couple of people who do things like their parents here in this room. And I said, you know what? That's probably not going to go well for me. So I'm not going to do that. But, but it's true. And we all understand it. So I don't have to give any examples of that to make it true. But what Paul's saying here, because these Jews thought, the Jews that are they're kind of battling these Galatians mentally are, are, are believing that like the identifying trait of belonging to Abraham is circumcision, right? That, that the identifying trait of Abraham is good works, following the law. That, that if you see somebody that their family takes part in the practice of circumcision or their family takes part in the practice of following the law and this legalistic, that you can say, you know what, that person, they're, they're a descendant of Abraham. But Paul says, oh, contraire, you've missed it. The identifying 
trait of Abraham, this thing about uh, of in Abraham's life that helps us to understand who he is fundamentally is not his practice of circumcision. It's not any outside practice. It's not some good works. No, the thing that sets him apart from everybody else and makes sure that everybody knows who he is, is his faith. And so he says, those of faith are the sons of Abraham. It's like as if you literally, you walk up and, and at work this week or at school this week, you meet somebody and they have a firm faith in Jesus Christ and you look at them and you say, oh, you must be Abraham's boy. You must be Abraham's daughter. You must be part of the same family that he's part of because this, this was, his faith was so distinct that it was the one thing that set him apart from all of the lost people around him was the amazing faith of an 85-year-old man who had never had kids to believe that he'd have kids that were so numerous that nobody could even count them. And so, so the thing that makes you a child of Abraham isn't following in the practice of circumcision. It's not having the same last name as Abraham because what is Abraham's last name anyways? You don't know. And I don't either. That's not the thing that's most important. It's not having his chin, right? It's not having his hair. It's not talking or laughing like him. No, the thing that makes you like Abraham is having faith in God. Trusting God and taking him at his word. So point two is that faith makes us family. Faith makes us family. And now, and I could spend so long right here. I'm not going to, but I do want to give you two quick implications of this truth, brothers and sisters. The first thing is that if you're a Christian, right, because that's what we mean if you have faith. If you're a Christian, then you're part of God's family, right? That's, it's not really you're part of Abraham's family. Now, you are in the same family as him, but that's because he's part of God's family. But brothers and sisters, if you're a Christian, you're part of God's family. Part of a family that includes all of the other Christians in this room. And all of the other Christians around the world. I want you to stop for just a moment and kind of let that sink in. That everybody else that has faith in Jesus Christ. And we use the term, we use the term brother a lot of times because we can't remember somebody's name if we're being honest. But, but the term brother and sister, the reason I address you so often from this place as brothers and sisters is because I believe that to be true. That if you have faith in Jesus Christ, like I have faith in Jesus Christ, and like Abraham had faith, then you are my brother and you are my sister. We're part of the same family. It's a family that is, that is so vast and so broad, but that God has made into one family. People that look different and sound different and act different and come from different backgrounds, we're part of the same family. And, and not only is it a family that includes all Christians that are living now. It includes all Christians that have ever lived and will ever live. So I know some of you are into genealogy and you can trace back your family for generations and tell me that you're akin to George Washington or Thomas Jefferson. But this is what I want you to know, brothers and sisters. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, you can, you can trace your spiritual lineage back to Abraham and Moses, and Elijah, and David, and Jesus Christ himself. Isn't that special? Praise God, it's exciting to me. As I thought about that this week, I thought, man, being part of the family. 
the family of God. And some of you think about the hymn when I say that, but man, I'm part of something so much bigger than just me or just us here in this room. Connected to all believers that live everywhere and that have ever lived anywhere. But the other quick implication I want to give you uh, is that the, the, if you are a Christian, the distinguishing mark of your life should be your faith. It should be the one thing that is most identifiable about you. When you die, that people don't talk about how good of a ball player you were, or how much money you had in the bank, or how good of a speaker you were, or how good of a politician you were, or how good of a... They can talk about those things, that's fine, but those things should come second. They should say, man, you know the thing that I really remember about him or the thing I really remember about her? Just always trusted God no matter what. Good days, bad days, good times, hard times. Just always had joy. Always knew that God was going to work these things out. Just, I mean, they just never wavered. They were anchored by their trust in God. We see it in the life of Abraham as he goes on. It's older. Abraham was willing to sacrifice the only son that he and his wife ever had to literally kill him because God said to kill him. And Abraham said, well, if God, had, if God told me to do it, I'll do it because I trust God. His actions showed his faith. His thoughts showed his faith, right? He believed God even against all reason. Whenever he said that you're going to have this many kids. And so I just ask you this question real briefly. Do your thoughts and do your actions reflect a true faith in God and in his word or do they not? The way you use your time, the way you use your money, the way you interact with other people, the words that you use whenever you address your coworkers or your children, do they reflect that you really trust God and you really trust his word or do they not? Because in Abraham's life they did. And I pray that people can look at you and say, man, you must be Abraham's boy. You must be Abraham's daughter. Because I can see that faith in you. All right, I told you there's one other proof, and I want to show you that proof in, in verse 8. Second proof that Paul gives us to guarantee that if you have faith, you're saved, is Scripture. It says, and the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. Now, what's he, what's he talking about here? What's the idea here? This, the idea that we see here is that, that Paul is it's kind of like he's having a conversation with Scripture. Right? We call that personification. He is he's making it as if Scripture, as if God's holy word, is a person that could have a conversation, could talk. And so it's like Paul says, Scripture. How is it that a person can be saved? And Scripture, being not only a person in this instance, but a person that could see the future, says that I have been telling you the same story ever since Abraham was around. What has that story been? What has the truth been? Is that God would justify or make righteous, take away the sins of, accept people, even the Gentiles, 
not because of their good works, not because of how perfect they as individuals are, but by what? Faith. Scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith has been saying the same thing since Abraham would be, was around. And so some of you say, wait, so you're telling me that in the book of Genesis, in the book of Genesis that it said that when people believed in Jesus, they were going to be saved. Not in those words. Some of you say, I never read that in Genesis. It doesn't say it in those words. It says it this way in Genesis 12. It's quoted there in verse 8. In you, this is a conversation with Abraham, in you shall all the nations be blessed. And in Genesis 22, which is reiterating that same promise, it says it this way. We've heard this. I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. How is it that God could say to Abraham, through you, every nation on the planet will be blessed? Some of you think, I've never even been blessed by Abraham. How is it that you're telling me that people in the middle of Africa and in the jungles of South America and in remote villages in Asia, that these nations, these people groups are being blessed by Abraham? How is it that you could say that? Because this is what God knew even back then. Somebody was going to come from the family line of Abraham. And not just somebody, and this is the actual bloodline, not the faith bloodline that we're talking about. The actual bloodline, an actual heretical descendant of Abraham. That's the wrong word. I want to say heritage, not heretical. That's not how you say that. Somebody in the heritage and lineage of Abraham. And you know who that person was? It was Jesus. That God has known ever since the beginning that one day he and the person of Jesus was going to leave heaven and come to earth. And that he was going to live a perfect life so that we could have righteousness to receive. And that he was going to die a perfect death so that we would not have to fear death. And then he was going to come back to life so that we know that we will live forever as well. And that then through faith, everybody... In every nation, at any time that has faith in Him, would receive the righteousness of Christ. This comes through the family of Abraham, so the Scripture has been telling us all along. How is it that people will be saved? They'll be saved through having faith in Jesus Christ. Point three is this. Scripture counsels us consistently. It's always had the same story, brothers and sisters. People will be saved when they believe in the one who came from the family of Abraham, and that one is named Jesus. 
And when you believe in Him, you know with all certainty that you have been justified and that you have received the forgiveness of your sins and acceptance by God and that you will live forever. And so it's summed up in verse 9. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Brothers and sisters, we're... We're wrapping up our Galatians study for now. I understand we're just about halfway through the book. We're going to come back, but in November we're going to turn our attention to the Psalms as we always do in November, and then we're going to have a different series in December. So it'll be a little while before we come back. And I wanted to address this question because I know some of you may have thought, Brother Zach, have we really spent this many weeks over and over and over talking about this same idea just to really produce this one thought that people are saved by faith and not by works. And so I don't think that's the, that understanding it on its own is not the exclusive reason that we've looked at this, although I would contend this, even if we had, we hadn't wasted that time. But I pray that this has come out of that as well. Not just that you have that fact in your mind, that people are saved by faith and not by works. I pray that that is firm in your heart and mind now. But I also pray that it's caused you to do this. That it's caused you to think more of God than you did before. Because I think some of us, at different points in our life, get stuck on thinking about all the good things that we have done. And how good we are and how we're better than other people around us. That I'm not like those people and I'm not like those people. And I'm here on Sunday mornings and I'm here and, and I, I care for my neighbors and I, I pray with my kids. And so I'm really better than a lot of other people. But brothers and sisters, I pray that you've been reminded that if you have any righteousness in your life, it's not because of what you did, it's because of what Jesus did. I titled this series, Galatians, Jesus is greater than the law. But I pray that you also see this, Jesus is greater than you. And Jesus is greater than anyone or anything. And so, really, another thing that Galatians does, it, yes, it shows us the only way that you can be saved is by faith. But it also shows us how amazing Jesus is, that he loved us when we didn't deserve for him to love us. And he left heaven to come here to save us when we were rebellious people. It shows us His love, and I pray that it's just really exalted your view of Jesus Christ. That He's the one that we need, and He's the one that everybody needs. And that you just thought about that more and more and more. And I believe this with all my heart. That the, the higher view we have of Jesus, and the more we think about Him, the more we'll desire to worship and follow Him. Right, That's the idea. We don't do good work so that God will accept us. But because God has accepted us through faith, we desire to do good things. And so I pray that, that your life that, that your life is more God-honoring because of our time in Galatians. That you do understand the truth that people are saved by faith and not by works. But that that makes you want to do good things even more knowing that you don't have to, that God's made a way that sinful people that would have never got to go to heaven get to go to heaven. So it's kind of the 10,000-foot view, right? Yes, we want to know that we need faith and not works, but we also want to love God more and to think of Him more often 
and to be more impressed with him and less impressed with ourselves. So this morning, I want to invite you to stand. And we're going to have a time of response. And in the time of response, we're going to have a song. It's not completely new, but it's new for us to do here. And some of you may know and some of you may not. But, but here's, here's the bottom line of it. It's not about me and what I've done. It's about Jesus and what he's done. It's the idea behind the song. It's called, Yet Not I, But Through Christ in Me. And so if you don't know that song, it may be a, a perfectly fitting response for you to just sit and listen to this song and to meditate and to think on the words of the song. Or as you're listening, you may kind of pick up the pattern and want to start singing out of response and thankfulness to God, just an overflow of joy. Maybe you don't even know the song when you want to sing. Just sing, brothers and sisters. I don't care how you sound. Sing because you're excited because of what God's done in your life. But maybe you don't need to sing right now. You need to pray. Because God's shown you something in your heart and life that's not where it should be. Your faith is not what it should be. It's not the distinguishing mark of your life. You're not living it out. And you need to repent and ask for His strength. You can pray during this time. You can come here and I'll pray with you. Maybe you don't even have faith. You don't even know what it means to believe God and have faith. And you want to talk. I would love to have a conversation with you about that. But I know this. During this time of response, for these few moments before we leave today, there's some way that we can all respond appropriately. So you do that. Let Brother Shane and the praise team lead us in this hymn of response.